Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Sage Valfrey, our next-gen pastor, brings a message from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Here's Pastor Sage. Y'all can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. For those of you who do not know, uh, on Sunday nights we have been going through the Lord's Prayer and really focusing on prayer during uh, these services, and it's been, I know it's been great for me. Um, in my prayer life, and I'm just extremely thankful that Tim led us in this, and I'm excited to be able to let us continue as we have exited uh, the model prayer that Jesus has set for us, and we're going into this continuation of, of teaching about prayer. So uh, before we start, I want to look at, I just want to read through verses 1 through 10 of Luke chapter 11. So let's do that, I'll pray, and then we're going to, then I'm going to start talking some more. This is what it says in verse 1, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. And this is today's passage, starting in verse five. Jesus also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word, and we're thankful to to learn about prayer directly from you, Lord. I pray that you would guide my thoughts and my tongue as as I speak. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you'd help us all here to have a a more passionate, passionate, persistent prayer life. We love you and we praise you. I pray you're glorified tonight. It's in your name I pray, amen. So before we really dig into verses five through 10, it's important that we don't just focus on the tree, but we remind ourselves of the forest around us in this. So, so far what we've talked about, looking at the the model prayer from Jesus, um, first we talked about the person of prayer, when you go to pray, you have to acknowledge who you're praying to, and that is God. And, and in doing this, you'll, you'll acknowledge uh, his attributes. It could be um, his, eternal, his, his eternality, I always say that wrong, um, his, um, his faithfulness. It could be his steadfast love. You lift that up to him. You lift it up and you acknowledge that to him. And then that leads you to the praise of prayer. You can't know who Jesus is without praising him right after that. Praise God in your prayer. Let that, be, let that be right at the beginning of it. And then after you've, praised God, after you've praised God, you move to the purpose of your prayer. And that is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You yield to God's will. You want God's will to happen in your life. And you want to push your will aside and say, God, do what you must in my life. That moves to the provision of prayer. After understanding the previous three, you can seek provision in your prayer. You seek um, uh, help. You can seek supplication with things that you need in your life. And that leads us to the pardon of prayer. 
See, now, that you, now you seek a fulfillment of your spiritual needs, forgiveness of your sins, and your forgiveness of others. This is very important that you pray for this. We need this forgiveness. And the last time we talked about, at the end of the model prayer, the protection of prayer. At the end of your prayer, be sure you pray for deliverance from the enemy who is at work. Deliverance from the world surrounding you, trying to consume your life. And deliverance from your flesh, your own worst enemy, that is constantly prodding you towards the enemy. And now we exit the model prayer, but we do not stop talking about prayer. Jesus continues um, his teaching on the persistence of prayer. And first we see it through this strange little, uh, as this story, this, this scenario that Jesus gives, something I appreciate as someone who is a short attention span and uh, uh, really appreciates stories. Uh, I love that Jesus always uses stories. He uses parables and, it, and it, I can really like imagine it in my head. And so to help this helped me understand it. If it doesn't help you too bad, I'm gonna go through it anyways. I'm gonna go through, <laughs> I'm gonna go through Jesus' story, but I'm gonna give everyone names so you guys can understand it a little more. So let's say there's three people in it. There's three people in the story he gives. There's first the one in need, there's the one at home, and then there's the one visiting. And I'm just gonna use our three ministers. So the one in need will say it's me. We'll say the one who's at home will say Sean is my neighbor. And then there's the one visiting, and let's say Tim, he's visiting from out of town. And so this is what happens. I'm at home, it's midnight, I'm laying in bed, I'm winding down or I'm still up for some reason. And then Tim's driving by and he gets a flat. Well, Tim comes over to my house because he knows I'm there. He starts knocking and he's like, hey, Sage, I got a flat, uh, I need a place to stay. And I'm like, sure, Tim, you can stay here. And then Tim says, but I'm really hungry. And I'm like, Tim, it's midnight. And Tim says, I'm really hungry, do you have anything? And so I go and I check my fridge and I have all these normal foods, but Tim doesn't like normal food. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any rice and peanut butter. I don't have any fried shrimp. And so I'm panicking. I'm like, I got to provide for Tim. And so I remember Sean's next door. And it's midnight, yeah, but I want to I provide for Tim. So I run next door and I start banging on Sean's door. Sean, Sean, open up. Sean, Sean, Sean. Sean yells from his bed. I'm not getting up, Sage. <laughs> it's midnight. I'm in bed. Leave me alone. And because of my, because we're friends, Sean knows that he can do that. He knows I can tell Sage no. Like, I know him. I, I'm not going to get up and answer. It's midnight. That's ridiculous. Um, but I'm persistent. I keep going. Sean, please, Sean. Please, Sean, please. I'll go on for, for minutes, for hours, all through the night, banging on Sean's door. And eventually, because of, as the Bible says, my shameless boldness, because of my persistence, Sean opens that door, he throws the peanut butter, throws the rice, and he says, take it and leave me alone, and he slams in my face. <laughs> so that's kind of the story that, that Jesus gives here, except with our names on it, of course. Now, what's the meaning of this story? Why does Jesus go into this right after giving us this model prayer? It seems very strange. Well, I want to tell you about something that you may know about going on, um, about uh, Pamela Dion. Uh, some of you have heard that name. Some of you have been praying for her, in fact. Uh, that's Destiny's grandmother. Uh, she got to be in the 80s Sunday school class a couple weeks ago. And right afterwards, she ended up having to go to the hospital. She had a ruptured colon. And then that led to her getting sepsis. And it was really bad. Um, she had to go through surgery. She was just not doing well. And the surgeon actually went to uh, Destiny's mother, Pam's daughter, and said, uh, I... It, it's highly unlikely she recovers from this. <clears throat> this was obviously a, a, 
a desperate situation. And, and as soon as we got the news, we, Des and I started praying. We led our young adults also, and they started praying. And in youth, we started to uh, tell them about it. And every Wednesday, we started praying for her as well, the youth even. And then her Sunday school class, if you've been in it, I know you've been praying as well. Because I know you guys sent her, sent her that letter, and uh, you've been asking us for updates, and we're so thankful for that. Well, as of today, her body has fought off the infection, and she's recovering. And she isn't just recovering, but she's recovering very quickly. This is uh, uh, just something to see her recovery. First off, she was moved um, up to the rehab center, which is great news. And in the rehab center, her, her feet, the amount of feet that she walked today went from zero to 98, to the next day 182, to the next day 252. Feet walked a day. She was, she was moving. She was able to, to do things on her own again. Well, that surgeon said it was highly unlikely she would recover. And look at her now. It's amazing. It's incredible seeing what, what God did there. And those who were praying for her did not, you guys didn't just pray once and forget about it. That wasn't it. Instead, it was persistent. You continued to pray. You continued over time, over and over and over. And that is because you were passionate and you, were, you believed that God was going to answer you. And that's what we're talking about today. And that is the meaning of God's story. Jesus uses this funny scenario to teach his disciples about the importance of persistence in prayer. Now the question is, why would God want us to ask him for the same thing over and over and over? Is this cynical? Is he just doing this to mess with us? Or does he just want us to change his mind or to persuade him, you know, if we just keep going, that maybe we'll, we'll change God's mind about what he's gonna do? None of this is the case. See, God desires not a recitation of words. God desires not eloquent speech. God does not desire an amount of time having prayed for this, something to check off. I prayed for an hour for this, all right, now I'm good, and now God will definitely answer this. That's not what it is. Instead, God desires passion. He desires faith. Passion and faith. And these are seen in persistent praying. So often, we're simply listing wishes that we have for our butler, Jesus Christ, to accomplish for us. Perhaps even, you pray with no expectation. You pray, you say, God, I need you to do this, but honestly, I don't think that you're gonna. And some of you are saying, well, Sage, that's a little extreme. I, I don't think that anyone does that. That's not true. Many of us do that. I've struggled with that in my past, with doubts, with, with not expecting God to answer. Apathy does that to you. Sin does that to you. It makes you numb to God. It makes you numb to his promises and his, and his word. And so you just don't believe it. You don't believe it, and that's wrong. Your prayer must be led by zeal and love for God. And that is why it is persistent. That is why it continues. That is why it is enduring. Because your great faith in him, you know, your great faith in him is because you know he's going to answer. You know God is going to answer my prayer. So you do not let your prayers be led by selfishness or entitlement. <laughs> Job, Job thought he was entitled to to stand before God and to argue with him. He literally says, if I could just argue my case with God, Job was deceived because God showed up. In his mercy, God showed up before him. And Job said, I, I, I spoke not, I, I don't understand what I spoke of. 
I don't, I don't understand what I was doing and I apologize. He apologizes to God and he backs away. Spoke of things I do not understand, Lord, forgive me. We, can't, we, we don't deserve a place before God. You are not entitled to that. That is absurd. That is an absurd thought. When you pray selfishly, when you pray with entitlement, you're going to, it is going to lead to resentment and it will lead to anger against God. We'll ask questions. God, I deserve this. Why aren't you answering me? I deserve, look at all I've done for you this year. Look at how, how hard I've worked for you. Why are you putting me through this? I deserve this promotion. I deserve this raise. I deserve this peace in my household. Maybe you're saying, God, why would you make me wait so long? It's been months I've been praying for this. Why am I still waiting, God? That's selfish. That's entitlement. Do not pray like that. But praying passionately, praying persistently, knowing God will answer, praying expectantly, these things will lead to a change in your heart and a change in the way that you view the world. Here are four ways that they'll change you. First off, it will show you the importance of God's timing. After praying for something for a long time, at one point, you're going to realize, that's right, I don't call the shots. I'm not God. My timing does not reign supreme. Trust me, I know that for a fact. My timing does not reign supreme. We had the D-Now over this past weekend, and it took a lot of work. Um, and I'm so thankful for, I'm just, I, every time I think about this past weekend, all I can think of the word, the only word I can think of is thankfulness. I'm just so thankful for, my, for the leaders, for the students, for the other churches, for the speaker who came, my friend Skylar, for the worship team. It, I'm just thankful. But I was... Admittedly, I was stressing out about this the week leading up to it. And on Friday, I had all this stuff. I was like, all right, I'm going to have this whole day to work on this. I'm really excited about it. And then we had, uh, there was a, a family trouble, something going on in, in uh, Dez's family, and I had to be there for it. And while being there, I was, while trying to be there and, and, and be a, a good uh, brother-in-law, a good, a good son-in-law, um, my mind, I couldn't help but, but think about all the things I had to do. This whole day was supposed to be spent working for, on this team now, and now, God, you have me here. What are you doing? What's happening? And, and my flesh starts thinking, God, this isn't my timing. This isn't what I was wanting. Could you fix this? Could you adjust? How foolish. Completely foolish. God's timing is supreme, and, I'm, and, and everything worked out. What, why was I stressing? If God is in control, why did I worry? Praying passionately will lead to showing you the importance of his timing. His timing is perfect. It's exactly when it should be. You need to remember that when you're going through those hard times. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Sage continues this great message from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Pastor Sage would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at brickdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.